we are the church. We are Christians, and I don't want this to be something about condemnation. I want this as something which is going to be glorifying to God. I want our lives to be glorifying to God. I want my life to be glorifying to God. And that is actually what, as Christians, we should be wanting to do. We want to glorify God. And some of that is about how we spend our time, and do we spend our time wisely. So, before I get into the book, and... Um, how um, Brett talks about it. I want two volunteers, and that, the two volunteers have already been chosen. One is Jude, and the other is Dan. Okay, I'm sorry, Dan. Now, rather than coming up on the stage, if you come down, come down here, and then you don't need to be worried too much. I'm sure people, because you're both tall. <coughs> I have a very large pizza, okay? And we're going to have a competition... It's a little bit cool, so it does mean you can eat it quicker, okay? All right, we're going to have a competition. We're going to have a timer up on the screen for a minute, and I'm going to see how many slices of pizza they can eat in a minute, okay? <laughs> now, I've already spoken to some people at the back, and their money, not that we're a gambling church, just but, but their money is on Jude, okay? All right, so I'm not trying to put any pressure on you there, Dan, but their money is on Jude. Okay, so um, Jude, just hold the mic one second. And there's yours, Dan. Now, it's only got a minute, so if you, don't, if you don't manage to eat it all, that's not a problem. You've got one, two, three, four, five, six slices each. Okay? That's right, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Have we got the timer, Matt? All right. A minute. And start. Oh. It, was, it was my wife who thought of this by the way. Originally, we wanted to see how quickly someone could eat one whole pizza. All right. So it might be worth Rachel getting two glasses of water. Okay. It's not as easy as it looks. We did this with young people this morning with biscuits. And I have to say, one, one guy did a whole packet of biscuits in three and a half minutes. And it was a large packet of biscuits. But I think pizza's a bit, bit, bit trickier. Well, I was going to say, my son and Josh are going to be happy. There's going to be some slices left over by the looks of it. We're down to the last ten seconds. Finish it. Finish the slice in hand. <laughs> Would you believe it? They've only had one slice of pizza each. <laughs> They've each got five slices left. Now, <clears throat> I'm tempted to say, do you think you can finish that pizza off? But I'm not, I'm not going to do that now, okay? But we are going to... After pizza... We all like a little bit of dessert, don't we? Okay, so we'll move the pizza to one side. Joseph, Drew, Josh and Seth, there will be pizza at the end for you lot, because I know you all asked for some. Would you like to open that packet of biscuits? I'll let, I'll let, you, I'll let you finish what's in your mouth for first. 
Oh, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Yes. Ah. Dan, would you like to count how many you've got in there? I wouldn't want you to be disadvantaged. We are, yes, yes. Now, the, the title of this series is You Are What You Eat. Now, obviously, it's not going to be all about food. It's about the information we are consuming, okay? And we're all consuming information every day. So, 22, you've got 22? Oh, yeah, t yeah. T t people want to see your face. Okay. <laughs> are you ready? <laughs> All right, have we got the timer again? All right, you ready? On your marks, get set, go. And Jude's gone for four at a time. I do apologise for those on the front row if this is making you feel a little bit nauseous. Oh, we've got some clapping going. <laughs> They've slowed down. Uh, I have to say, I would say it does look like Jude's got less left. Would you agree with that? On the front row? Yeah. Okay. They are taken with you. You can eat them if you want. <laughs> if you still feel like eating them. <laughs> Thank you very much, you two. I did have a pair of glasses. I hope I can find my glasses again. Yeah, maybe, maybe so. Oh, in my back pocket. It's terrible getting old, isn't it? I have to wear glasses now. And I even printed out my notes in big. And even then, I still need to put my glasses on. So, our first slide shows... And I've got the clicker, actually. All right. A food pyramid. So, for most of us now, we, we understand how food is good for us. But food needs to be in proportion. Um, we need to be eating the right foods. If we look at that there, it shows that bread and cereals and potatoes should make up the bulk of our diet. And then you should have fruit and vegetables, and that's where we get five a day from. And then milk, cheese, and yogurt, then meat, fish, and alternatives. And notice as it goes up, it's smaller and smaller amounts. And right at the top, you have the sweet drinks, the sugary foods, the foods we all like, but we know they're not very good for us. And actually, this is a little bit about where we get our information from. In this book, The Wisdom Pyramid, Brett talks about a pyramid. And just like a food pyramid, he says, where are we getting our information from? Where are we getting truth from? Where are we learning wisdom? We need to be very selective on where we're getting it from and understanding it. We're not saying all the, the different levels are bad, but we just need to be wise. So we've got a little, little video showing... Um, how he describes it. So would you like to play it please for us, Matt? It might just take a second to, to load up. But just like food is good for our bodies, but it's only good for our bodies if we use it wisely, so is the information we're receiving, so is the information we're taking in. And the information is coming at us from lots of different angles, but we need to be wise with it.
first layer of wisdom here, and that is the Bible, God's Word. If He is the definition of wisdom, then it makes sense that His direct revelation to us should be the foundational layer of our pyramid. Next up is the church. This is God's people across time, our local church, the body of Christ on earth. It should be an invaluable source of wisdom for us. And then nature, God's creation. Scripture says, you know, the heavens declare the glory of God. God's creation should reveal things to us about the Creator. And so if we spend time outside instead of on our devices, we can pick up a little wisdom there. And then books. This is kind of an obvious one if you think about becoming wise, read books. But I think especially older books, books that have stood the test of time, is important for our wisdom. And then beauty, art, music, things that help us reflect, focus, be attentive to the world around us. Wisdom is not just about facts, it's also about feelings and emotions and kind of that intangible level that beauty can provide. And then finally, at the top of the wisdom pyramid, which is the least important, is the internet and social media. It's not that that can never be a source of truth, but we need to be careful and we need to use it sparingly. Don't make it the staple of your diet. So that's it, that's the Wisdom Pyramid. It's really just a guide to help us be discerning in our media habits, in the things that are speaking into our hearts and minds. We need Christians of all people to be growing in wisdom and not following the ways of the world. Thank you, Matt. Um, and with that, we've done a little survey. We've got lots of results in. Uh, I'm just gonna show a few slides. When um, the results came through, the way it does it, I think there was about 20 slides and I thought it'd be a little bit tedious to go through all the information now. But I've just picked out five slides just to show as a, as a church or as a people coming along to our, our church what sort of habits we have at the moment. So um, <clears throat> this is how much time do you spend on the internet and in your free time not for work, okay? Have a quick read through. I'm not going to spend ages on it. It's just to show you that we are getting information, how the information relates to wider surveys. It's interesting, the thing I found out that I don't use the internet. No one is not using the internet. We, out of the survey, we had 100 people filled out the survey, so out of the 100 people, no one is not using the internet. So we are all using the internet. So we do need to be wise how we use it. Slide number two. Um, how many hours of TV do you watch over a week? This includes platforms such as Netflix, Prime, Disney. Interesting, two to 10 hours is 49, and then 31% 11 to 20 hours. I did a, a little, a little um, challenge with some of our young people, and um, we found out over this last week, most of them were not watching as much TV as I thought they'd be watching. Um, we had one saying four hours, roughly, every day, another one three hours, and we had two only watching one hour, but we did have one person who said, oh yeah, looking on my screen time, nine and a half hours I've spent on Netflix alone. So it's, uh, it is interesting. How much time would you estimate you spend on social media? And once again, we can see it averages out about two and a half hours a day we're all spending on social media. Later on, I'm gonna get you to get your phones out so we can test some of this because I was only talking to someone the other day and I think just like when you're eating food and for those who've ever done a diet, 
I'm not looking at you, Paul. But for those who've ever done a diet and they're trying to count calories, often you think you're doing really well, but you forget, oh, I just sneaked that Mars bar at break time. Oh, I, I just had that extra slice of cake at dinner. And we think we're doing really well, but often we can be blind to some of the, the little habits we have. So, um, the final slide. Um, yes. Uh, oh, no. Next slide. Where is it? Oh, there was one more slide, I thought. Yeah, which ones are you regularly using? Interesting, when I am, um, what you're using it for, I don't know whether it's more boys filling out this survey or more girls, but I was shocked to see 70% are using it for online shopping. Now, I've got a daughter, and um, often she's up late at night, sat on her computer, and what she's doing is she's browsing different clothing stores, looking at different... She's not actually buying anything. She's just looking at different dresses and different swimming costumes and things like that. Now, I know when I was growing up, occasionally we would go window shopping because you didn't have any money, but you'd have a wander into town and have a look around the shops. And people would say, that's not a good habit. But other people say, oh, there's no, nothing wrong with doing that. You're going out, you're having a nice afternoon out. Well, that's not a problem if it's one afternoon a week. With the internet, because it's there in front of you and so accessible, it hooks you in, and before you know it, it's not half an hour, it's a couple of hours, and it's every evening. So it is, it's, it's interesting that even in our own church, when we look, we can see the different habits people have. And the last slide, which did show um, which, which of the main users, it's got Facebook at 66%, Instagram, 43%, TikTok, TikTok Snapchat, and WhatsApp being the main ones. Oh, and YouTube. Nationally, if you look nationally, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube are the top five. The only one we didn't have there was Twitter, which um, I don't know whether that survey was from America, and we just don't use as much Twitter over here. But everything else is in line with what the government stats are saying, not just the government stats, but any research you're looking at it. Anyway, <coughs> going back to the book... Because of this information age we're living in, first of all, what is wisdom? Wisdom is having knowledge, but knowing how to use that knowledge. It's about applying knowledge in a right way. That is one of the ways of looking at wisdom. It's knowing what to do at any given time. Um, so when we're saying, what is the wisdom in this digital age? It's knowing how to use the digital age in a wise way. And what is the digital age? Well, we've all heard of the Stone Age and the Bronze Age and the Iron Age, they're all about transforming materials. We then all hear about the Steam Age and the water power and um, railways and electric. They're all transforming energies and power. But then we've moved into this age, the digital age, which is more about transforming communication. In my mind, it started with the advent of a telephone, then radio and TV. But it's now, since the 70s, with the advent of a computer, really is the information age. It's about getting more and more information. Now, Brett, in his book, he diagnoses three problems we seem to have as a society. And if I go back to my original slideshow, and the first one he has is, we are eating too much. Let me just flick on. If it works. If you could just move it forward two slides. Okay. Eating too much. T 
TMI. I didn't know what TMI stood for at first, but it means too much information, okay? <laughs> Just like poor Jude and Dan, they love pizza, but when they have to eat in a hurry and they're trying to cram it in, it's too much. We can't actually get it down quick enough. We are living in an age where we have too much information. Without you realising it, it's not always about news, it's about how our senses have been bombarded time and time again. You go on Facebook, you look at what a friend's doing, but then you scroll down, you look at another friend. Oh, you see another photograph, that's interesting. Before you know it, you've gone on there for a five-minute thing, but it's half an hour. We are consuming and consuming time and time again. And it, it reminded me, and it is, this is where I think it's such a great analogy with food. It reminded me, when I was growing up, I had a couple of nicknames. One of them was The Gannet, and another one was The Sweeper. And I got those names because I like to eat food. And um, I didn't have the pizza competition. But if we ever had a family meal together, we were all getting together for a large family meal and we went out for a nice restaurant, I would be the one who was saying, oh, can I just have a little, have you finished? Can I have that? Oh, don't leave that. I have those few extra potatoes. And I, I would be seen as moving around the table, sweeping up any of the leftovers. That's why I was called the sweeper. Uh, and by other people, I was called the gannet. Um, even my mother said she thought I had hollow legs um, because I kept on eating and eating. And I, I was thankfully all right. I've never particularly got too large. But as I got older and I went to an all-you-can-eat buffet, I came into trouble because I got to an all-you-can-eat buffet and I went round, put a little bit of that on my plate, a little bit of that, a little bit of that. Before I knew it, my plate was huge. And I'd go back, eat it all up, and I'd say, oh, I can go back again. A little bit more, a little bit more. And before I knew it, I have to confess, I never made myself physically sick, but I was very close to making myself physically sick because I just consumed and consumed. It was not good for me. It was not healthy for me. And just as it's not healthy physically to be consuming food all the time, it's not healthy for us to be consuming information day after day after day after, minute after minute. We need to learn to put boundaries around it. I was very fortunate. I had parents who, who may not come from the church background, but they put boundaries around me. So at the beginning of the week on a Saturday, I was given 50p, 50p pocket money I was given to go to the sweet shop. And I could go there and spend it on whatever I wanted. Now, 50p doesn't sound a lot to most of you, but in those days, you could buy a good bag full of sweets, okay? You could buy plenty. But I had to make those sweets last the week. My mum wasn't going to give me any more money to more sweets because she said, too many sweets are bad for you. Your teeth will rot and fall out, and it's, it's painful. You end up being at the dentist. And as actually, as I've got older, I've learned, even now, when I have more than 50p in my pocket and I can go to the shop at any time I want, I know that eating sweets all the time is not good for me. So... Because someone put a boundary around, it's helped me to have a boundary. And with this information age we live in, I think sometimes we've been caught out because it's come upon us so quickly, we haven't realised. It's like we've been put in an all-you-can-eat buffet. Wow, I can go on WhatsApp, I can go on YouTube, I can watch this, I can do that. And before we know it, we're just consuming, consuming, and we aren't realising it's not doing us any good. And it's only been in these last few years and there's some resources at the end, we can look and see the damage, the damage it's doing to people's mental health, the anxiety it's giving to people, the depression it's bringing, the, the new things which are coming out that 
FOMO, fear of missing out, is actually being seen as a proper disease now, FOMO, okay, the fear of missing out. And that's because people are so hooked on their phones or social media, they're looking and they don't want to miss out with things. So we are realising it is beginning to damage us. And actually, wisdom is something about knowing how to use it. We're not saying the internet's bad, but we, we do need to be careful on how we use the internet and we need to be aware and I am so glad my children were born many years ago and not just now because actually I didn't have it as an issue trying to parent our children but now you hear well there's some stats here this is from the NHS in Glasgow screen time okay physical and mental health issues are becoming increasing problems with UK children ages 5 to 16 okay Average, they spend two to three hours watching TV, one to three hours on the internet, one to two hours playing games, as in um, Xbox, PlayStation, and one hour or more on their phones, which gives them an average of 6.3 hours on the screens every day. Okay, that's a quarter of their day spent on screens. And on top of that, they're in school and sleeping and eating. So you can see they're not... There's not much time for other things. You can see how that can be influencing our younger generation. But, don't want to shock adults, but adults as well are just as bad. It says here, the average adult in the UK is spending nine hours a day on media and social communications. This is outstripping the amount of time they are sleeping. Okay? So it's not just a problem of the younger generation. And... I, I've not got the slide to show, but it might get shown another week. The survey we've done, you can see the different age groups. But it says here that 45% of over 65s are on social media, where 85% of 30s to 40s are on social media, and 95% are 16 to 30 are on social media. So it is a growing problem, but it's not just a problem for the younger generation. We all need to learn how to use social media and the internet in a wise way. A um, couple of quotes here. Lots of things in life are, necessarily, are not necessarily wrong. They're just not necessary. Okay? And I, I, I thought that was very wise words. When we spend time on things, we don't realise how that is moulding us. The more we spend time and give our attention to something... It will mould our character. It will change our character. Um, Tim Keller says in his book, The Way of Wisdom, we can't treat our body any way we want without consequences. Just like eating pizza day after day after day. We can't treat people any way we want and expect to have good friends and strong family. We can't all live selfish lives and expect the social fabric to remain intact. Okay? Coming, I should have used that on our last point. I'll come back to that point. But the information we are receiving is overwhelming us. I can learn more about what's going on with friends in Central America than I know what's going on in my own country because I can search the web. I can look at things. You can Google whatever you want. The answers are out there. But we don't necessarily always need to be doing it. Late at night, it's so easy to be looking at the wrong things, to be watching the wrong things. And before you know it, you go down a rabbit hole and you get trapped into things. 
And it's not always bad things. My wife, she's going to tell me off for sharing it. My wife likes looking at these places in the sun. Okay, where can you buy uh, a nice house and live with nice sunshine? And unfortunately, we don't have much sunshine in Plymouth at the moment. So it's very tempting to watch and say, oh, wouldn't it be lovely to go and get a house over in Spain? It's only, it's only 100,000 and it's got a swimming pool. And the point is, there's TV shows like this time and time again, all same, the same sort of thing. But you get overwhelmed with it. And before you realize it, you also get discontented. You start thinking, oh, why can't my life be like that? Why aren't I doing that with my life? It breeds discontentment. All this information we're getting is not necessarily any more nutritious. It's not good information all the time. Um, Moving on to the next slide, so we're eating too much, we're also eating too fast. We are consuming at a greater rate. I get shouted at because my family wants us to sit down and watch a film together and we start watching a film and before you know it, it's a bit quiet in the film. I'll just look at my phone, let's have a look what the football scores are because I know Liverpool were playing today. What are you doing on your phone, Dad? Get off your phone, you're supposed to be watching this film. I'm trying to... I do want to watch a film, but at the same time, I want to see what football scores are. I'm juggling too much. Years ago, I would just have to wait until the news came on at 5.45 to get the football scores. Because you can get them instantaneously, we have a desire to know more all the time. But it means we don't do anything well. I'm, I'm half in the moment there. I'm half in the moment there. It's, it's not good for our mental health. So it feels like I'm doing nothing but confessing up here. Okay. The, the other thing with this eating too quickly, it leads to inertia. It leads to an inability to do things. Because there's so much around, we actually end up not making a choice. We were looking for a holiday the other year. I think we spent more time looking for the holiday than we spent on holiday because we thought, this villa looks great. Yeah, fantastic, it's got this. Oh, wait a minute, no, this one's nearer the beach. Oh, wait a minute, this one's got bigger bedrooms. And the choices are just... Well, it leaves you numb because there's so many choices. I'm not saying it's, you shouldn't research. I'm not saying you shouldn't plan. But there's so much there. It's just bombarding you. And I read a book the other year about snow geese. It was a really interesting book. And one thing snow geese do is when they're on the water and they see an eagle, I think it's a bald-headed eagle, would come and prey on them, they would all take flight at the same time because they knew or instinctively they knew, when they took flight, the poor eagle didn't know what to do because he couldn't target in on anything. He was actually swamped. And that's what the internet is doing to us time and time again. We are getting swamped by this information coming at us quicker and quicker, but actually we don't always know how to make choices. We're not as good at making choices anymore. It also means we can't concentrate as well. It's affecting our brains to be able to deep think, I think it's called, and critical thinking. Even the speed things, something happens and it's out the news. Before we know it, we don't know whether it's real news or fake news because there's no time for critical thinking. People are just happy to jump in and give their point of view about something without thinking about it. So, um, moving on to our third point is we also are only eating what we want. Um, just like that food pyramid at the start we need to be eating little bits from all those different areas and actually some bits we need to be eating more of because they're better for us and other bits we need to be eating less of because they're not so good for us 
because of the internet, because it's now in our hands, because we've got smartphones, something other generations never had, we are connected to it and we can look at what we want when we want, we can do what we want with it. But the, the frightening factor is, we might think we are in control, but actually a lot of the time we are not in control because there's, it's been done in such a way, but it's to become an addictive thing. It's been done in a way that makes us want to look at our phone, makes us want to get another like, makes us want to keep on screening through or scrolling through because it gives us a little hit of dopamine every time we look at something or we get a like and we keep on feeding that. And there's a really interesting film called The Social Dilemma which tells us all about actually these, these giant companies, Facebook, Google, they're out to make money. They, they want to make money and they make money by selling advertisement and actually by selling a product but we become the product. We're the product by the attention we're giving to it. And we might think that's not a problem, but, well, we'll show a little film. If we get this little film ready, this, this shows us, but actually, what I'm looking at is not necessarily what Jeff and Jenny are looking at. It's not what Paul's looking at. So it makes me feel, oh, very me-centric. It's all about me. When actually, because of that, it polarizes our society. Anyway, should we show this little clip before I ramble on? Google and type in climate change is, you're going to see different results depending on where you live. In certain cities, you're going to see it autocomplete with climate change is a hoax. In other cases, you're going to see climate change is causing the destruction of nature. And that's a function not of what the truth is about climate change, but about where you happen to be Googling from and the particular things that Google knows about your interests. Even two friends who are so close to each other who have almost the exact same set of friends. They think, you know, I'm going to news feeds on Facebook, I'll see the exact same set of updates. But it's not like that at all. They see completely different worlds because they're based on these computers calculating what's perfect for each of them. The way to think about it is it's 2.7 billion Truman shows. Each person has their own reality with their own facts. Why do you think that uh, Truman has never come close to discovering the true nature of his world until now. We accept the reality of the world with which we're presented. It's as simple as that. Over time, you have the false sense that everyone agrees with you because everyone in your newsfeed sounds just like you. And that once you're in that state, it turns out you're easily manipulated, the same way you would be manipulated by a magician. Magician shows you a card trick and says, pick a card, any card. What you don't realize was that they've done a setup. So you pick the card they want you to pick. And that's how Facebook works. Facebook sits there and says, hey, you pick your friends, you pick the links that you follow. But that's all nonsense. Just like the magician, Facebook is in charge of your newsfeed. We all simply are operating on a different set of facts. When that happens at scale, you're no longer able to reckon with or even consume information that contradicts with that worldview that you've created. That means we aren't actually being objective, constructive individuals. And then you look over at the other side. And you start to think, how can those people be so stupid? Look at all of this information that I'm constantly seeing. How are they not seeing that same information? And the answer is, they're not seeing that same information. I think that's practically the end. So, 
even though you th you're getting information, it's different information from everyone else sometimes, and it can't help but centre your world in how you s see things. And the Americans have done a study on this, and you can see how the two political parties have actually shifted and polarised because of the information they are receiving. Anyway, I realise the time's gone on and it's, it's getting late, but I didn't want us to, to leave thinking... Um, there's no hope or there's, um, it's all negative because the internet is a tool and we can choose to how we use this tool. Um, 1 Corinthians 10, 23 said, and it was on the slide earlier, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. So we do have the right to use the internet and the internet is not wrong in many ways, but we do need to be wise in how we're using it we need to be aware on how we're using it and how it's affecting us and start to critically evaluate if I spend a lot of time on screens how is that influencing me how is that speaking into my life and what is it speaking into my life is it speaking truth into my life is it wholesome and that's where looking at the the wisdom pyramid you realize the bible is tried and tested over thousands, well, thousands of years. And actually, that should be our foundation. That's what we should be standing on. But also the church, nature and beauty, all these other things. But our society has reversed that pyramid. At the moment, internet is the thing which is influencing most people. Infant is giving the wisdom to people. And actually, the Bible is a little bit at the top. As church, as family... As, as followers of God, we should be making sure our lives are living with the Bible being at the bottom and being the, the proportion of what we're doing. That doesn't mean you should be on seven hours reading the Bible and only maybe one hour on the internet. The internet is full of some great resources, uh, which I'd like to go to in a minute. But we have a challenge. Where's my clicker gone? All right. Oh, another, another two verses there. We do need to slow down. Be still and know that I am God. I did want to have a look at the story of Elijah. Elijah was on the run and he was fed up. And um, God sent him off to this cave. He sat in this cave and God was going to speak to him. And there was a fire, there was a wind, there was an earthquake and there was a fire. But God wasn't in any of that. And that's actually just reminded me, some of the, the noise, and I mean the noise, the information we're receiving day in and day out, whether it's watching another Netflix series, binge watching it, not just watching one, but watching several at a time, whether it's scrolling through Instagram, we won't hear God if we don't make time for him and we're not quiet. And it wasn't until all those had passed that Elijah heard the still small voice of God. So a challenge is we do need to be still and know that I am God. And the other thing was about wisdom. All right, eating only what tastes good to me, that's what we were talking about, looking at. It only tastes good for us, but actually we're getting manipulated. But it says here, do not be wise in your own eyes, but the fear, do not be wise in your own, own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. Fear the Lord is, we need to be in awe of God. We can often be in awe of what's happening on the internet and, and actually downplay what God's doing in people's lives. So we need to be in awe of God. All right, the challenge of this week. This is a quote from, um, I think, D Tim Alford. I will not spend time on my phone until I've spent time with God alone. Okay? If we as Christians are one of prioritizing and we want to be growing in wisdom, we need to make sure we're putting God first. 
And actually, the challenge is, is that the first thing you should do when you get up in the morning is talk to God. Spend some time with God. I know, in my household, it's often the first thing you do is, I just look at my phone. Oh, someone's texted me. Let me send a text message back. Oh, let's have a look at what's happening on Instagram. And before you know about it, your day's begun and you've gone down that rabbit hole. I'm asking you, this week, as a challenge, when you wake up in the morning, don't look at your phone for at least half an hour. Leave it away. If you need it for an alarm, that makes it a little bit tricky, but there's lots of other ways of getting woken up. There's old-fashioned alarm clocks. So a challenge for you this week is don't spend time on your phone first thing in the morning. Give it over to God. Speak to him. Open your Bible. Pray to him. But some other things you can do, and I, I do think this is where the survey is going to be good. Most of you have got, well, all of you got phones, but all of you on these phones now for mental well-being, they've got part of, they've got something on the phone. If you go into settings, if you're on an iPhone and go into settings, you can go to something called screen time and it tells you what your screen time usage is. If you're on, a, on an Android, I have to check because I've written it down somewhere. Um, if you're on an Android, you need to go to something called digital well-being and parental controls. And that's in your settings. And if you look through there and you go to the dashboard, you can see what you've been using your phone for for the week. Now, lots of young people, I've asked them this week, oh, show me that. And they've sent me, they sent me a screenshot. One of them sent me a screenshot. And it showed in this last week, he spent 19 hours, 19 hours on Snapchat, 10 hours on TikTok, nine and a half hours on Netflix, and three hours in, on Instagram, and that's just on his phone. Now, most of these people have also got tablets or laptops or smart TVs now as well, so that's, that's quite astonishing to see that, and actually, I think I would like people to do this for a week to see what they're spending their time on, because just like those people who want to do a diet, they don't realise when they have that extra sneaky slice of cake or another chocolate bar, we quickly look at our phone and say, oh yeah, screen time, two hours today, that's not too bad, and put it down. If you get a pen and paper and write it down for a week, and I know it's a bit hard, you can really look back and reflect on that, and you can then decide, is that being time wisely spent? And it might be. Or you can look at it and think, that's a lot of time I spent on that, and I'm wondering why I'm suffering not doing this, or I've not got time to do this. You can also think and start asking yourself questions. When I was looking at those photos on Instagram, how did it make me feel? Did, was it encouraging to me? Was it uplifting to me? Or did it get in the head and make me think, oh, I wish I had that life. Oh, why aren't I doing that with my life? Okay? Critically analyze what you're spending your time with this week. Okay? That's the challenges. Um, there was a few other challenges on there. I don't know. It keeps on going off. Um, yeah. Depending on your age group, social media might be a big thing, but also time on games. Um, Paul was only confessing last week. Sorry to pick on you again, Paul. But I thought it was really great. He said he's got this golfing app he loves, but he realizes how much time. And was it making him a better golfer? He wasn't sure. But he said he's taking it off his phone. Have you, is it still off your phone? It's still, so look, at, look through your phone. And I mean, there's a great YouTube clip about Candy Crush and how that is built to be addictive. If you've got something like that and you find every spare minute you're going on that, 
think, is that the best use of your time? Because it's influencing you. If you don't need it, take it off your phone. So there's a couple of, couple of um, helpful suggestions. Put control on your screen times. My son, bless him, he has a, a control that his laptop and his phone will stop him from going on something. Um, I can't remember whether it's Netflix now. What is it you have, Seth? Yeah, he's got everything, so it turns off at 11, so he goes to bed on time, okay? He's often up beyond 11, I have to say that, but his phone won't allow him to go on Instagram, it won't allow him to go on different social media things. And I, I thought that was really, it wasn't something I had suggested, it's something, he, he was reading a book the other year, and he said, sleep is really important, Dad. I didn't realise how much I'm messing up my sleep. I'm going to try and help my sleep by not having my phone. So all these things, now... We were talking about wisdom in the digital age. I've gone off. There's so much more. It links to mental health and all sorts. So, last slide is... Actually, I can do that. Some resources for you to look at. Recommend. Read this book. It's The Wisdom Pyramid by Brett, McCa Brett McCracken. Another book worth reading, which the church looked at the other year, is The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. And the way of wisdom, it's not, nothing to do with the digital age, but it's about being wise, and it goes through the book of Proverbs. It's a, a daily devotion. I did it last year, and I really enjoyed it. I'm doing it again this year. It's just little segments from Proverbs and looking at it and how we can have a wiser life. And then, if you like listening to things, because not everyone's a reader, I can understand. The Limitless Leader podcast, if you go onto podcasts, Limitless Leaders, Tim Alford, it's been doing these. They're great, but episode 51 is all about social media, um, and that's by Joel Harrison, who's also um, heads up Kinsuki Hope. Um, and episode 57 is about the digital world, and that's an interview with John Mark Comer, which is really enlightening how he talks about the power of a phone, and having a phone in your back pocket is quite a destructive, or can be quite a destructive instrument. And... Not on there, there's also, if you don't like listening to things, you don't like reading, but you like watching things, there's a couple of things, there's lots of things on YouTube. YouTube now is the second largest search engine. That's an interesting fact I learned today. Um, but on YouTube, there's two things I would recommend watching, and they are, if I can find them, um, Is Social Media Hurting Your Mental Health? And that's by Bailey Parnell, a TED Talk. And another one which is worth watching is Online versus Offline Self. Who is the real you? And that's by New Age Creators. Neither of those two are from a Christian perspective, but they are from a perspective of actually encouraging us to think about how we use social media. Finally, we live in a real world and we live in a digital world, but we have faith in Jesus. Jesus should be the centre of our world. Jesus should be the one we should be looking to for guidance now. We might think that Jesus didn't have to put up with Instagram. Jesus didn't have to worry about. But when Jesus lived, the issues are the same. We're all searching to fit somewhere. We're all searching for our identity. And lots of people are just looking for it in a digital way. But our identity should be found in Christ. There's nothing new under the sun. So even though we might think we're living in a different time, they are different things, but really, we all want 
to be searching for a purpose in life. And actually, unless you look to God, we're not going to find that purpose. So I would encourage people, if you don't know Jesus, he is the answer. He is the one who's going to give us purpose. He is the one who's going to give us fulfillment. And actually, we need to look to him and grow wise 